Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be Hot Yoga's podcast. I think this is episode number seven. Yes, or eight. (laughs) (laughs) Math is not our strongest subject. (laughs) Anyway, Suzanne here with Diana, and we are super happy because we have a very special guest with us, (laughs) Aya Deli. Everyone knows the famous Ayo. Um, Hi. Welcome. Thanks (laughs) for being here. Um, And so where should we start, Ayo? Tell us about, you know, we all train together. How long were you practicing before we started? I mean, tell us a little about the journey. My first, I think I was still in college and I was home on, um, for whatever reason. Um, And my mom was like, let's go take Mama Abba's class. So one of my godmothers, Abba Bailey, um, she was teaching at the time. It was Atlanta Hot Yoga. Took class and I feel like before we got to the floor series, I didn't know what was happening. I had on too many clothes, but like my pupils dilated. And I was like, I have to do this thing. And so I went back to North Carolina and there weren't any hot yoga studios in the city that I lived in. I was in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, and I thought all other yoga was for old people. So I wasn't <laughs> gonna do that. And then they opened a Bikram yoga studio and I lived there. And I like was there all the time. <laughs> so that first class, you were yeah. just completely hooked. Yeah, huh? That's and so, so that cool. was like 2005, 2006, and I moved back here in 2008. Um, but I would still come. I would come to it was Bikram Yoga Atlanta at the time, so I would come to Be Hot whenever I was in town. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it about it? Do you think that really? I don't know. You You're still not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know what that the the thing. The way I felt, maybe it had to be a combination of, of course, the heat, because I, I love fire, period, um, and the challenge. And I don't remember if at this studio, this was like their one that it was um, Peachtree Battle. They had a studio, Peachtree Battle. I don't remember if there were mirrors in there. I, I just know there was so much going on, maybe inside of me, and it just sparked something <laughs> it just and I and it was just one class I took mm-hmm. that one class I don't know how many months it was before I took another one but it was like this is what I am going to do and did you when did you decide you wanted to be a teacher in that class that day? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I um I tried to go to training before like before I moved back to Atlanta in 2008 but I couldn't afford it and they were not giving loans to people to do yoga training at that time. I couldn't get a loan against my little Honda Civic, to, you know. So I tried all the things, and it just didn't yeah, work. Yeah, it was out. expensive and yeah. very time-consuming. I looked yeah. into it myself, but yeah, yeah. It was, it was I think impossible. at that time maybe it was twelve thousand dollars to do Bikram's training. Um, yeah, but if I, had I gotten a loan, I would have done it, but I didn't. <laughs> so I guess things just work out in divine, perfect harmony as they should, because. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful it didn't work out that way. Yeah, but yeah. And then so training was what? What, what year was it? 2010. 2000, yeah. 2010. Mm-hmm. And since then, you've done a ton of other training. <laughs> I'm mean, a little addicted yeah, but to learning. I know, but yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about all of those things because it's always something new and cool and really interesting. Yeah, you yeah. really, you know, it's become your life. It really it has. It is. It is. It is my... um. My life's work, I guess. Mm -hmm. Passion. I love it. I love it. 
So think, yeah, tell us about some of the other stuff you've done just um, since our trade. So we did ours in 2010, and I think at that time, somewhere, maybe I met Isak uh, Garcia in 2011, because he was doing a, um, a workshop at Atlanta Hot at their Buckhead location, which is no longer, which is insane. Um, and then I did my first fight club, Jedi Fight Club, in 2012. So I went to Vipassana meditation. I came out and I was like, I am doing this fight. Like, it was like everything was clear. And fight club was one of those things that I got clear on. And through that, um, I just met a lot of amazing teachers and practitioners from all over the world. Um, so I did maybe three or four of those. And tell, tell people what, what the fight club so is. So Jedi Fight Club. So originally, so there, there's this thing. It's the, um, if I'm getting it right, it's the Bishnu Ghosh International Yoga Championship. And it's been happening forever. Um, it's newer to the Western world. And of course, a lot of people like yoga, competition, that doesn't make sense. But one of the most peaceful, amazing, beautiful experiences I've ever had. But anyway, um, so Fight Club started out as a training ground for people who were competing just to like not have to go to work every day or whatever and be in kind of an incubator to perfect your practice and develop strengthening exercises etc 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 be around like-minded people who were working toward a, a common goal I guess you could say and it got really popular and so he started doing them in different cities. Um, now he does them internationally. And so for 10 days, you go to wherever. The one I did was, wow, it's one of the, one of the earlier ones, I guess. It, we actually stayed at his mom's house, at mm. the house he grew up in in Boulder, Colorado. Let's think, is that the house he grew up in? Anyway, it was a house in Boulder, Colorado. Like sleeping bags, air mattresses. We practiced twice a day, did maybe four hours of additional yoga exercises and homework in between our practices had high like nutrient dense supplements and mostly raw food and it was great we just did yoga all day long <laughs> um went out into the world and we would do like um kind of like yoga flash mobs in the mall and so we got kicked out of the mall because <laughs> we were drawing too much of a crowd it was so much fun um how many of you were there oh gosh at that fight club i want to say 20 okay i want to say 20 let's say between 15 and 20 yeah maybe 20 because there were some people who who um lived in which was the case at all the fight clubs i've been to who lived in that city who didn't necessarily bunk with us but who participated in like you know the classes and the training do, 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 do. so it was i mean it was great and it was i don't know i think it was it was one of the um it was a time when it just reaffirmed that you can do anything that you want to do provided you put some work energy effort intention into it and people just like living their lives in whatever kind of way they wanted to and in a way yoga was the catalyst for them creating that mm -hmm. so i did um three or four of those i miss them dearly i'm gonna go back one of these days so it's like 10 days they say you live like a month so we would practice yoga but then we would also clean up the studio or be a sous chef or whatever right if you were a teacher then you would teach a class just to help contribute um and then after that, I think, so that was 2012. I did a few of those. In 2014, I went to Mexico and did Tony. 
<laughs> went to Mexico the first time. The first time with, with oh, Tony Sanchez, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I went to do his advanced, but I didn't make it through. Let's talk about that another time, I guess. Okay. And uh, <laughs> not because of the yoga, just no, a whole not other story. Yoga, but yeah. So I only got through the first part, like the core 26. Um, and that was really cool because he, he, so uh, the, the, those posters that came out in the eighties of, let's see, I think it was Bikram yoga posters or like maybe the 84 Asana posters. A lot of people thought that was Bikram on the posters was really Tony Sanchez. So Tony was one of his earlier students. He ran one of his studios in San Francisco. Um, and you know, things happened as they happened with I don't, I don't know, I don't want to judge and presume, but anything, anyway, things happen within their relationship as it happened, and they part ways. Um, but Tony, Tony and Bikram. Yes, Tony and Bikram. And, but Tony's been teaching since 70s, 80s, uh, very interesting human, very transparent, and it was, it was great. It was a great experience. Um, I would train with him again. Um, the opportunity presented itself. Did that 2014. <laughs> Um, look, I'm like, and then all the things happened in 2014. In 2015, I believe that's, I did a comedic yoga training there then, and that's based on the culture, philosophy of Kemet, which is the original name of Egypt. And so in society, let's say pre-Greek invasion, um, the, the aim of all members of society was to reach like their higher state. So yoga was a part of everyone's practice, whether you are a pharaoh or whatever, a janitor, everyone was working to master their lower selves and, you know, get to that higher point of functioning in being. So meditation and asana, um, and then also like, so like you have the eight limbs of yoga, there's a parallel to that in comedic culture. Um, 42 Laws of Ma'at, that's something you can research if you want to, but just like living in a really balanced way. Um, and then all of these asanas are, are they're literally the, like the oldest written record in the pyramids and in all these, you know, like, so, and you see all these, all the postures that we do now, you know, so. Oh, that's study cool. that. Yeah, so it's really amazing. It's really amazing. Um, so study, did that training, that was 2015. 2016, I did a vinyasa training. <laughs> Jerry McCann Vinyasa, who's an amazing human. I love um, his, loved his training and his works. If you ever have opportunity to take one of his classes, I highly recommend it. It's fun. Um, what year is this? 2018? Jeez uh, Louise. Almost, okay, yeah. so 2017. <laughs> Y'all, I did all the yoga trainings. <laughs> 2017, I did a 200-hour Hatha Yoga slash Yoga Hour certification at Tough Love Yoga. And that was, for me, I did that because I don't teach vinyasa on a regular basis. And I just wanted something to cement it in me. And now I'm doing my 500-hour. <laughs> and so, yeah. I guess I've done the training every year since 2014. That's amazing. That's crazy. But it's still your first love. Hot it is. And, so, and it's not like, it's not, like when I go to training, I don't feel like I'm in school. Oh my gosh, I have this work. Like it doesn't feel like a thing that, I, oh, just one more thing I have to deal with. Like to me, 
training weekends, I love it. And I'm tired and exhausted because it's a lot of mental and physical work, but it's so amazing. And it's just, you learn a little bit of thing, you can bring it back into the classroom when you're teaching or into your personal practice or just in how you have a conversation with your mom. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I really, I really love and enjoy it. And so what do you think, so having evolved 10 years, what, if you were going to impart some, something for a beginning student, what would you tell them? Just start. I hear a lot of times people say, oh, when I look this way, or oh, when I've practiced so many times at home or in private, or this type, you know, they're just waiting for the perfect circumstance or scenario or studio, whatever. It's like, just start. Just do something. Um, it doesn't have to be, like, yoga is, is everything. It doesn't have to be the postures. It could be proper breathing. It could be meditation. It could be, you know, like, there's so many different ways in which to put that in your life. If you want to practice, just practice. Don't well, wait for things to be perfect. Exactly. Just like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. Just like our ongoing practice does it. Just exactly. getting there. And it's know. practice. It's practice. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I love most about you leading a class and how you lead the class is that nothing, you're just very light and easy about all of it. You, but without, without losing the discipline piece, like you are able to maintain <laughs> both, but you, nothing, you don't get rattled by much. I mean, you're, you're just, everything's easy. You know, and that really, I think it creates an environment for people that it's easier and they just feel more comfortable. Mm. Um, but there is a thing, you know, when, and we watch it, you know, it's amazing to me, even with the mirrors and how we practice, that there are so many people that it cannot look at themselves mm -hmm. in the mirror, you know, and it's like they're looking all over the place and they set up right in front of it. Right. Um, but, that, <laughs> but it's... I mean, you have a, a very innate sense of taking people from where they are and just getting Thank a little you. bit more out of them, however that is. And that's, that's, a, that's for sure a, a teacher gift. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, I do think it's interesting about the mirror. I mean, it's, it is a challenge. It Definitely. really is a challenge. And, and, you know, you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror if you're not there yet. I mm -hmm. think that's a perfectly valid, you know, choice. Mm -hmm. But it is a, it is a pretty intense it's part of the it's part of the practice and in practice it's part of the work. Does mm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like we have all the elements like the physical posture is an element, right? And just like the heat is and just like the mirrors are. And then if you look into mirror magic like there's some real stuff inside of that. But you know at the same time who really looks at themselves? Like if you don't have to look at your, like who looks at themselves um, and so if you're in a room for 90 minutes or 75 minutes or 60 minutes and you have to look with yourself and be with whatever comes up because our minds are wily and do crazy things like that's a, it, it's work mm -hmm. and then if you can get to the other side then it's like yeah. yeah. And let all that external stuff go. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I remember when I first was in there, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, mm -hmm. I look, my hair is all like my, you know, whatever, like yeah. my face is bright red, I'm like horrible, <laughs> you know, and, and you just got it, and then you realize that none of that matters, mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't, it, it just doesn't matter at all. Yeah. But it does, it took, I know me, when I first started practicing, it was yeah. to get beyond that. It's mm -hmm. hard to, you know, that eye contact, it can be pretty intense. You yeah. have to kind of face yourself and, but yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, but you are you are such an amazing teacher. You're Thank just you. such a great. We just love that. you. you. 
the mirror from the mirror is it's so interesting because like you know we have the beauty ideals that are set up in society mass society whatever so and I have some you know body image stuff whatever growing up as a black person in America and you're whatever but for me, it's so funny because I could wear something in the yoga studio that I would not wear out in the world. Mm -hmm. But in the studio, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Oh, I look great. This is good. This works. You know, so I think the mirror becomes your friend and it becomes a, you know how you can, how Christina used to say, you know, look pleasant at least. You're creating your future. Like you can put, you can really create your reality, you know, and what seeing is believing and all that type of stuff. So it's like, I love the mirrors. Yeah, well, I do too now, mm -hmm. but it's even with your posture and your how you notice your alignment and women mm -hmm. and like, I mean, I'm back Vermont, Christina, how she made us stick our chest right. out, which, you know, like who, what woman sticks their chest <laughs> out? Because we've I been mean, taught from, right. from a very small age to sink in and hide right. and be seen or not heard. And men get that too, but you know, not in the same way, right. you know, and it's like, you don't even realize that right. you're walking around like a turtle or something yeah. Yeah. Well, you know caved so. in a little bit yeah like closed off too mm -hmm. yeah yeah and all that of... impacts you in in diff how you feel how you think you know so yeah. yeah it's almost like we try to make ourselves as small as possible mm -hmm. so you're almost like you know not obtrusive but you're gonna like disappear you know mm -hmm. you're so little but yeah you don't you don't you're not we're not raised to project that confidence no it's but that's something we do find in there yeah I think, you know yeah the strength and the confidence. Yeah. Okay, so beginning students just start. Regular practitioners, a, play, a way to take their practice to a different level besides just noticing it and doing it, what mm -hmm. would you say? Um, choose something to commit to. And so it's like, I mean, maybe you come because you want a nice ass or whatever. Okay, fine, that's great. I'm No judgment whatsoever, right? Because whatever, no judgment. But it's like... Do you do it the same way every time? Does it have to be, do you have to do it in this whatever way in order for you to have good practice? Can you back out of your practice a little bit in order to get more? Are you injuring yourself because you think, so it's like commit to an element of your practice to work on in order to take it to the next step. I, I totally get it. So if you were going to say commit to an element, um, give us some examples of elements that one could commit to. Your breath. Um, so maybe you take a class where the thing that you focus focus on most when you practice is, is my breathing calm? Is it even paced? Am I actually breathing? And you know, with, with most of the things we do in a 2062 class, you breathe with your mouth closed, you know, is my mouth, you know, just am I breathing properly? And there can go all the way. So many other ways inside of that breathing thing with that, but just like what's happening with my breath and am I using that to guide my body or am I doing it the other way around? So that's the thing. Um, making sure you're working on, or another thing could be using your muscle strength opposed to just creating a shape, like jamming your knee or doing a whatever just to make a thing look away. But like, am I really using the body mechanics to create the proper shape? So am I keeping myself safe one, but then also cultivating my strength and flexibility as a result? Um, and then I guess for flexi bendy people, it's like same thing. It works both ways. Am I really using my muscles or am I just like jamming into a thing and like, oh, let me just make this shape or are you really like in touch with what's happening mm -hmm. <laughs> with your body physically um, as you practice? 
Yeah, and I think I think that the amazing part. There's so many amazing pieces, but the amazing piece of having a you everyone knowing the exact same things happening in the exact same class, more or less, mm -hmm. is that you don't have to think about that part, mm -hmm. and then you can really actually take apart each posture and the nuances because. I mean, you know, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, there's lots of times you're making physical adjustments and you can't even notice them in the mirror. Mm -hmm. They're barely discernible. But I think, you know, we go through classes that we have more or less of a level of awareness of what's around us. And that's good, too, because we're in different places. But, you know, there's, I mean, I think to those people that are practicing and practicing, um, there's a, like, almost that, that wake-up place. Mm -hmm. Like, you, and, you know, like tap on the shoulder, you know, do you realize that you're doing this every single time? Right. Right. So, but, and you know, most teachers aren't going to tell you, oh, you know, so Diana, do you realize that you drink water <laughs> every single time right here? But, you know, just that level of awareness to notice, I think would be, you know, we, you know, our goal is to provide a place that people can come and explore whatever they're exploring. Yeah. And the, the most amazing thing about our practice and, and any yoga, but in particular, the way ours works with the discipline and the stillness, you can literally do it at, from any age to any age mm -hmm. your whole life and just keep, you know, you know, the physical, the emotional, the mental, the physiological, all those things. Okay, so then what else? If you were talking to... Okay, so let's, let's do something different. What's your favorite posture to practice right now? Oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> such a hard question. And I'm always thinking like, Damn, I'm gonna neglect one of my children for the other one. I'm a horrible parent. How do I pick this? Like, I'm. This is. It's a little. You know. But I'm. I think about this almost every day. <laughs> and I still don't all. have an answer. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so let me ask you: Is there one, <laughs> is there one that you're least friendly with at the moment? In the twenty-six and two, rabbit is really challenging for me. Rabbit is really challenging. Um, Why do you think? I don't think it's always. I don't. I love back bends. Mm. So maybe because it's you know we do camel, we do this really big back bend, and then we do rabbit, go in the opposite direction. So maybe it's because it's the opposite. I don't know. But I, and and I like rabbit, but it's hard. Rabbit is harder than camel hmm. to me. Well, so. That's yeah. interesting. The, the, the technique of rabbit is, is not, a, it's not an easy alignment, really, mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing it really correctly. And with then, the proper breathing as well. With the proper breathing. And mm -hmm. then even to keep taking it so that that back bend, I mean, so that you can feel it and actually using your grip to get the back bend more in the middle part of your back, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, rabbit is challenging. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> because you love the ball. <laughs> So what do you think, from a teaching perspective and, you know, alignment, what do you, um, in terms of a couple of quick alignment things, things you'd like to share? Is there, are there any, like, off the top of your head that people that you always correct, that you would always like to see people pay more attention to and do better? Half moon. Um, <laughs> half moon, camel, triangle. Um... I would say those because of, maybe not because of, but I, I feel like people have a certain relationship to those postures. 
Oh, it's just half moon. Oh, camel's gotta be hard. Triangle has to be hard. Let me, let me touch, my, I gotta make my fingers touch the whatever, right? So in so many, when you do it in that way, you miss the point of the posture. And um, I've been telling people lately in class, I'm not sure if they're hearing that or listening, <laughs> do less. Like, like when I used to do half moon, I used to go all the way over, be, you know, past vertical or whatever. It's like, you don't have to do, get that deep into the posture to get the full benefit, especially if your alignment isn't good. Mm -hmm. Especially if like your feet aren't flat on the floor, you know, um, especially if you're coming out of it and you're like, oh, catapulting, you know, so half moon, I guess with all three of those, take your time in a way and just do each. Okay, let me press my feet down. Let me stretch up and make sure I maintain the stretch, you know, for half moon abs, thighs in. Okay, let me press my heels down again. Keep my abs, my thighs in. And then let me exhale and go over to my left or right. Oh, my shoulder went behind me. I went past my level of ability. Why did I, well, not, you don't have to necessarily think about why or have that part of the conversation, but, oh, I lost my alignment. Let me back out and do a little bit less so I can get it back and get more benefit out of the posture. So less doesn't mean that you're less or that you suck or whatever. It just means you have, you're doing a better posture mm -hmm. and you're getting more out of it as a result. You can keep your alignment exactly by doing less. And it's yeah. really, it's really more about, I think people miss that. The alignment is what, and we say it, mm -hmm. but the alignment is way more important than the depth. And that's a part of the reason why you can practice it from age two to 200. Because if you, I mean, you have perfect alignment for your body, where you are with your injuries, no injuries, whatever, then you're getting the full benefits of the practice. And I mean, it's great. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, triangle, people are focusing on touching their toes or whatever, but like your hip is cocking up. Your feet are in the proper position. You're not using your feet. You're not using your legs. So you can't stabilize your hips. Oh, so you can't stretch up. You're not breathing, you know, so it's just different <laughs> things mm -hmm. in that. Um, yeah, and triangle, I think in particular, one of the things is that your leg strength and your hips really, I mean, to support your upper body and create mm -hmm. that lift because you're still lifting with your upper body right. and not collapsing. You know, the so. feet, but it's like the feet too. If right. your feet are not firmly planted, then you don't have a foundation from which you can move your hips, you know. If you don't take this big step, why are you so afraid to take this big step? It's just such a metaphor you know? for life, isn't it? You know? <laughs> take this big freaking step and then like bend your knee a little or a lot. Like you can take the big step and then do a little bit or, you know, you don't have to do all of it and you can still have perfect.